You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey guys, welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. I hope that you guys are having a great week. I hope that as you're driving or whatever it is that you're doing, I just love this, you know, 35, 40 minutes that we just get to sit and chat. Today, I have asked my husband to join me once again in the podcast closet. So, Chris, thanks for doing this with me. You bet. What I've swindled him in for this time, guys, is because I have just been praying and feeling for some time that I just wanted to do an episode of just some encouragement for the marriages out there. There's a lot of hurting marriages right now, and I just want to hopefully offer some encouragement from the word on this. What I don't want to do is try to present this like this is Chris and Amy are amazing. They have, yeah, that we've, we've just nailed this whole marriage thing. We've never made mistakes. And, you know, we've just got this all together because nothing could be further from the truth. But we have been married for 23 years, 23 years, guys, you know, it's a while when you have to sit there and kind of do the math. And I even look at that. And yeah, I know that's a long time. But I look at like his parents who've been married. They've been married. Is it 54 four years? Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. Then I'll feel like, you know, we get the thumbs up. So not even halfway. We're not even halfway. <laughs> we're still learning and we're still growing, but we just wanted to be able to encourage some people. And one of the things that we sort of love this topic a little bit, because when we first, well, I want to say we were first married because we really hadn't been married very long, but we were fairly new to Athey Creek. We started doing a newly marrieds group. And we first started doing, it was sort of just like a home group a little bit at the church, but it was all newly married. We were all kind of in the same boat. And then Chris and his real good friend, Tom, they led it. And, you know, Alicia and I, the wives were kind of over there on the side cheering everybody on. And then after a couple years, the church asked us to kind of take that on in a little bit more of a formal way. At the time, I was helping out with weddings and the event planning side of things, coordination rehearsals and that kind of stuff. And so what we did is, I don't, was this you and Tom's idea? Yeah, because if you think about like the first year of marriage, there's just some very unique challenges that crop up during that year. Yes. And so we would say as of September 1st, if you've been married less than a year, you are eligible to be in the right, group. Right, right, right. And then we would start that group, and then we would go through until June, and then we would kick them all out, and then the next September we'd bring in a, a new batch of newlyweds. Yeah, so you only got to be in the group for um, you know, September to May, but that was usually when you know then the summer comes in and you get all your new folks that are having their weddings. And we always thought it was so interesting because we did it for six or seven years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And what the conversations are when you are first married versus even what they are when you've been married eight months. Yep. What was, remember, see if you remember what the thing was that everybody wanted to talk about when they, on that very first meeting. Oh man. The honeymoon, where oh, they went. where'd you go on your honeymoon? Everybody, yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. that's the thing. You all want to talk about <laughs> yep. like, where are you going on your honeymoon? Now, eight months later, that's not really what they talk about anymore. There's all right. kinds of other things they're talking about. So it's fun to get that group because they're all in kind of a similar situation really cool to see how the Lord used groups to kind of keep them together a little bit. And then they have ended up having kids and kind of doing a little bit of life together. And that's been really fun to see. 
So some of our, I guess, our passion for just talking to marriages, I guess, a little bit isn't coming from an expert type of place at all, but it's just coming from wanting to see them do well and some things that advice that we were given that we in turn then have given to other couples and just have seen some really cool things from that. So the first one I want to talk about, and, you know, like I said, 23 years, we still we can say this phrase and we know exactly what each other is talking about. And it's the foxes, the foxes. So, Chris, give us the little rundown on the foxes. Well, this one we definitely cannot take credit for nope. when we were, and you guys, we were absolute babies when we got married. Children. I think about that now because we have an 18 year old. Ridiculous. I don't, we don't I even want to talk about that. I don't even want to talk about it. We were very young when we got married. And we did premarital counseling actually with a college professor that we both had during our time in college, him and his wife. And they took us through this passage and it has been a memorable one and an important one in our marriage. And it actually comes from Song of Solomon. No, not those verses. (laughs) This is chapter two, verse 15, which says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. And that is referring to in those days when, you know, they would have vineyards and when they're in full bloom, you can't see the ground very well from the house or, you know, a distance. And these little foxes would run through and were difficult to see. And they would eat at the roots of the vines. And so what would end up happening is the vine would die from the root upward to the top. And the point that our good friend and professor was sharing with us was when you're married, there can be little things that they're not overly visible to the outside world. In fact, it's possible that really only you and your spouse even know about them. And if you don't pay attention, they can run rampant in your marriage. And these little things over time begin to eat away at the foundation of your marriage at the roots of these things. And again, even the damage, the early on damage that's caused is not overly visible to the eye until one day you wake up and the vine is completely dead because it was eaten away at the root. And we have seen that so many times in marriages over the years, whether it was folks in that newly marrieds group or not, where couples will allow these little things to go unaddressed and undealt with in their marriages because they're too busy or they don't want to cause waves or ripples or, you know, let's just deal with this later. I'm too tired. Life gets in the way. And before long, it has decimated your relationship. What I like about this image that Song of Solomon gives us is is you can almost picture this field, right? It really, like Chris was saying, from the outside, it looks okay. It looks healthy. It looks like everything is just this beautiful vineyard. It's a great field. You don't see what's happening underneath. You don't see what these little foxes are eating away at. 
And so it was such a great word to us when we were in that very early age. And I do want to clarify, we were 21. It's not like we were, you know, <laughs> teenagers. teenagers or something. But now when we see somebody who's 21, we're like, whoa, yeah. wow, just hang on. <laughs> but things can look good from the outside. And it can look like all the things are fine, but perhaps some of those foxes are kind of getting at the roots a little bit. And the word that he gave to us was not discouraging of like, hey, your field is destroyed. It was a preventative word. It was a soon as you even see a little bit of that fox coming at you. Let's address that. So let's stop with that, because what we're not saying is, man, every little tiny thing that your spouse does. Mm -hmm. No, this isn't like, oh, well, that really bothers me that he does that. So I better go and tell him because that could turn into a fox, which could turn into resentment. Nope. There's all kinds of things, guys, that there's all sorts of opportunities to die to yourself when you are married or any dying to yourself is just that's just the Christian life. And that's a beautiful thing. You just need to accept that part. That's great. But there can be more serious issues, too, that you need to address. So what would that look like? Yeah, I think one of the great ones, and when we would have our group, this was one of the very first topics that we would tackle. And it comes from Genesis chapter 2, where we're talking about Adam and Eve here. Verse 24 of chapter 2 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And there's a, a lot of implications behind that verse. And we would be sharing this in the context of newly married. And man, there's a huge opportunity here. But I honestly think that this plays itself out at any point in a marriage. But that initial leaving and cleaving process can be a difficult one if both husband and wife are not intentional about that process and going through that process. So what does that look like? Well, you know, oftentimes when you are first getting married, both the husband and the wife have their own groups of friends. And sometimes the spouse was not necessarily a part of that friendship group. And so there's almost this weird thing that can happen where the husband kind of has his group of guys that he likes to hang out with and the wife kind of has her group of girlfriends that she likes to hang out with and it's Friday night and, oh man, the guys really want to go do this, that, or the other thing, or, you know, oh, the, we want to have a girl's night. We're going to go do this, that you have the husband and wife splitting up and going and doing separate things. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that this can never happen, but it should be very infrequent because what happens is you're continuing a relationship apart from your wife or apart from your husband. And the Bible is very clear here. You are to leave that sort of former way of life, if you will, and cleave to your wife, not cleave to your old group of buddies or your old circle of girlfriends, mm -hmm. but to your husband and to your wife. And if you allow some of those relationships to maintain a place of prominence in your life that is greater than your spouse or even kind of equal to, that can be a fox. Mm-hmm that will eat away at the tender root of your marriage. And if you are not chasing that thing and getting it out of the vineyard, it can lead to real problems. And we've seen this go to crazy levels at times. You know, it, again, we're not talking about an, an occasional like 
girls yeah. night or you know the guys get together and play risk yes that really happened for a while <laughs> but we've seen it where couples then even start taking vacations yeah, different vacations separately and planning these you know and to chris and i that's just like i don't know i I can't imagine really doing that. But once you've gotten to that level where you're kind of living like separate lives like that, that's definitely a fox that you need to to see what's going on with that. Yeah, here's another classic one, holidays. It's amazing how couples, and I get it, man, holidays, there's so much drama wrapped up in these things and tradition and family history and stuff that Christmas time's rolling around and whose house are we going to? Who are we staying with this year for Christmas? And honestly, sometimes, you know, we've had to, to counsel couples, like, I'm not sure you should go to either. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it should just be your family, the two of you guys, and you guys establish some traditions. And if you want to pull some from your childhood, great, but that's something that the two of you guys need to agree upon together. And like Amy said, we've seen crazy stuff before where it's like, you know, they just can't agree. And so the husband goes with his family and the wife goes with her family. No, that should never happen. Because again, that can be a fox. Sometimes you like know about and are allowing to just sit there and chow down on the roots of your marriage. And again, destruction can come if you do that. Mm -hmm. So the little foxes, lots of examples that you can think about. I would just challenge you to pray about that and, you know, ask the Lord if there's any little foxes in your marriage that you've kind of just let do their thing and where those need to be reined in. Recognizing that, that's the first thing. Don't get freaked out that, oh, it, it's so far beyond and it can't be saved. I love the scripture in Joel. It says in Joel three thirteen, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Like, what if you think, no, 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 this is just a disaster that we have here. There's no, there's no saving it. Well, you get going a little bit more in Joel, and he says in verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. I even like that that analogy is another creature, just as the the foxes are something that can destroy something and the locusts can, I don't know, it's just kind of an image of what can be going on underneath. But the Lord can restore those things. So ask the Lord, what are those foxes? And then ask him to restore those things because he will do that. So we've been talking a little bit about maybe newly marrieds and things like that. What about like a little bit more middle of the road? The little foxes thing never gets old though. I'm still going to tell you. I mean, it doesn't matter if you've been married 23 years, you could still kind of ask yourself like, hmm, am I letting that be a fox that needs to go? So it's kind of a, a timeless piece from the word, I think on that. But we talked about, you know, sort of as you get to that little place, even with the friends thing, like this is what his friends are. This is what my friends are. But there's kind of a thing where you, the dying to yourself. One of the scriptures that has challenged and encouraged me probably the most in our marriage is in Matthew six twenty one, where it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did I'm you just flip there? Literally flipped. To I just that I just watched him, guys. Right he's here. over he's over here flipping and I don't know where he's going and that's, that's exactly where he flipped. Yeah. Well, I guess that's where we're gonna go next then. So this is such a key. There are so many things that and honestly good things 
that can become your treasure in a hurry. And if you have kids, guess what? Your kids can become your treasure. Of course, we love our kids and they're, we value our kids. We, you know, we're going to do all kinds of self-sacrificing things for our kids. But even your kids can become a treasure in a place over your husband, over your spouse, and that can be damaging. If you've been married for any length of time and you've got kids that are at that age where they're involved in lots and lots of activities, sports and after school things and, you know, friends and, you know, oftentimes you guys are more taxis than anything else and you're just shuttling kids from one event to the next and this thing to the other thing and life can take on a pace that is not only frenetic, but you're focused outward. You never focus inward on, you know, you and your spouse, inward on your marriage. And if you're not careful, that can go on long enough to where your relationship becomes defined by the busy, hectic pace rather than on the two of you guys connecting and really meaningfully interacting with one another. But here's the great thing and why I absolutely love Matthew 6, 21. Not only is it a principle, it is also a prescription Mm. from the great physician. So maybe you're listening to this and you're like, you know what? This is me. I'd rather be running around. I don't know that I would want an evening alone with my spouse. I don't know what we would talk about. I don't know what we would do. If that's you, if you're in that place, then Jesus's words to you are a prescription. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So do you want your heart to be back with your spouse? Then it's time to reorient and start putting your treasure in your spouse again. Not in all the activities that you're doing and the career or the hobby or the website or the whatever the thing is that you have that's occupying all of your time. You can choose today, right now, as you're listening to this, to shift where that treasure is. And it's a prescription. Jesus is saying, if you do that, guess what? your heart is going to follow. Mm -hmm. It's it's just a matter of time. It's a principle of the word. If you put your treasure someplace, your heart will be there over time. And treasure can look like all kinds of things, but treasure by definition is something that's valuable. And I think it's something that sort of in the monotony of life or maybe the crazy of life and driving kids all over, we can kind of lose sight of the things that maybe we really value in our spouse. And not only is it important to, you know, remind yourself every now and then of those things that are valuable, but it's also important to remind your spouse of the things that you value in them. I have so admired, we've done podcasts before where we've talked about like family devos and that kind of stuff. And I've so appreciated Chris's leadership in that over the family. Well, you know what? We do that every single day. It would be real easy to just kind of go, oh, well, this is just what we do. I don't really need to let Chris know that I'm, I'm thankful that he does this. We can just, you know, this is what we do. But that's even a little bit of treasure. Telling him that, no, I this is valuable to us and I appreciate that. It does two things. It does to your spouse. It lets them know the things that, you know, it cheers them on. But then for you, it reminds you of the things that are important also. And just even articulating those things 
it's a practice. It's something that sometimes I think we think the positive things and we just don't say them. Mm -hmm. They need to be said. Yeah. Yeah. And at treasuring, what else do you do with treasure? You spend your time on it. You protect it. You know, mm-hmm. and these are things that you're proactive, I guess. You're intentional about it. I've heard all the excuses, you know, I mean, date night, guys, gals, you need to protect that time. That needs to be a thing. Your, your kids need to see you going on dates with each other. And they kind of need to know that like, hey, mom and dad time, alone time is a priority for them. And that means that us kids are taking a back seat to that. That's good. That's healthy for them. That's setting a good example. And don't tell me that, you know, oh, it's too expensive. We can't afford to go out when parents will spend $700 on sports camp or, you know, so whatever. True, right? You can find 25 bucks to go to McDonald's together or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but it's the time that is important. And that is part of treasuring that relationship. So the date night. It doesn't have to be overthought, you know, and I've heard of folks even when they're saying, oh, man, budgets are really tight and all of that kind of stuff. And they'll just, you know, have a movie night on the couch and, you know, the kids go to bed early or whatever. So don't overthink it. But it's just important that the kiddos even see that that time and that sort of that priority is set. This trap of falling into really being slaves to our kids' schedule Man, that is a huge deal. And we, we're saying that because we've been there. We have been in the boat where we've been feeling like we're driving everywhere and we just can't even possibly get to all the places that we need to get to. So I understand that sometimes that could be a note for you as a couple to sit down and go, wow, what's driving us? Are we enjoying our schedule here or do we need to maybe rethink our schedule? I think our favorite thing about when COVID lockdown happened is we actually saw our high school kids and there was definitely just a slower pace of life. So sometimes those are good things to sync up as a couple and go, what's happening here? Because if your marriage isn't healthy, your family is not healthy. You know, if your marriage is not doing well, your kids are not going to do well. So it's so important that you as a couple are doing well because your kids are just going to do so much better. You know, another fox that can sometimes be out there, I think of Matthew seven twenty four, where Jesus is talking about the wise and foolish builders and the importance of building your house on the rock. And I think we could extrapolate that a bit and say building your marriage on the rock. And I look around the world and the relationships that are out there, and there's all kinds of building materials for those marriages out there. And even you can think about your own friends as you're listening to this. What are their relationships? What are their marriages built on? You know, I think of the career marriages where each the husband and the wife each have their own career. And man, that is what the entire foundation of their life is built around. And nothing is more important than the career. If the husband misses major family events because of that, well, that's just the way it is. If the wife is unable to do this or that or the other thing, it's okay because she's got her career that she's focused on and the building materials that Jesus is talking about here is building it upon the foundation of the word, building it upon the foundation of Christ and using Christ as the model. Guys, Ephesians tells us that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. 
gals, you are to reverence your husbands. These are the building materials that the Bible says are the right things to build your marriage on, not the careers or, you know, maybe it's activities, you know, like we were talking about a minute ago, like always going and doing something, you know, always having something each night or each weekend and making sure that, you know, we've just, we're always staying busy. There's always something going on. Or maybe it's, you know, your kids and man, as long as the kids are in the house, everything is fine because the attention and the focus is there. But as soon as those the kids are out, you know, staying the night at a friend's house or they're at some summer camp or something like that, man, all of a sudden the, the tenor of the house changes. And why? Well, because the key building material is missing. The Bible does not talk about that. Kids are important for sure. It's a major job that we have as parents, but they ought not to be the foundation of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one that I think particularly in our day and age of, you know, we just put so many things, even more so than I think when we were kids. It just was not done quite this way with our activities and the different things that we do that it would be falling into such a trap. But particularly what you're talking about, the how we build. You know, gals, we can we can be builders and we can also be extremely destructive. Proverbs 14.1, the wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Gals, that means that we can be real destructive. We can be building our homes or we can be tearing them down. How is it that we can tear down our husbands? I think the quickest way we do it is with our words in what we choose to say or what we really choose not to say. It could be a little bit of both. But that passage in Ephesians that Chris read that the wife see that she reverence her husband, that's a real strong word. And the only other time it's used is when it's in reference to God. But that is the attitude that we are to have, that we have a reverence and respect for our husbands. That's a convicting word. It's been a convicting word to me at times. Like, man, Amy, are you being respectful right now with what you're saying, with your tone or whatever? And gals, we might need to ask ourselves that question sometimes to see if the way that we are acting, the words that we're choosing to say or not to say, are they showing respect? That's not a popular word and people don't really love to hear that, but it is, it's the word. And we're going to either be fully submitted to God's word or we're going to pick and choose. And I don't want to be on the side of the picking and choosing. That's for sure. You know, one other building material that is out there, and and I think this is a (laughs) far too common thing in the world of of Netflix and uh, Amazon video, husbands and wives can devolve into binge buddies where really all you're doing is just sitting on the couch, not talking to each other and just watching some show for hours and hours. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with relaxing on the couch and and watching a movie or watching a TV show. But if that has come to define your marriage, if that is the only thing that you can do to spend time to spend time together, that's building on the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, and so guys take the lead in this. Turn the TV off and turn your head and focus on your wife and talk for an hour. Ask some open-ended, deep questions about, you know, how she's feeling and, and what's going on. And, you know, let's get a little bit deeper than, you know, whatever the latest episode is on Netflix that's trending. 
just something really practical. And this is going to tell you how really exciting Chris and I are. But one of our favorite ways, honestly, for me, at least just to spend time together is we just go to the same places that we have to go. Like if we already need to, he needs to go somewhere. I'll just go with him. We spend a lot of time in the car. Spend that time together. We love to do road trips as a family. We've always liked to do those. We haven't done one in a couple, well, in a real one in a, in a year or two. But just taking advantage of even those little times that you have when you have the choice. I could just stay home and do whatever I want to do. And you, it could even be something really worthwhile. You could be like, wow, have you seen what my kitchen looks like right now? And you could be like, I should really be staying home and, you know, get my kitchen clean. But sometimes it's just better to just not do the thing and just go and just go on a walk together or go to the store and just be in the car together and just talk. That's how exciting we are, guys. But it, it, it <laughs> don't you agree? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love those trips. And again, you know, going back to what we were saying there with Jesus and the treasure, that is a way to treasure your spouse. You're choosing to spend discretionary time with them rather than doing whatever else, watching the football game or uh, reading the book or playing on your iPad or, you know, whatever. That is treasuring your spouse. And if you do that, the Bible says your heart is going to be there. And there's definitely some dying to yourself when he chooses to go to Costco with you. <laughs> That's That one's a big one, guys. It's not my favorite place to go. So perhaps you're listening to this, though, and you're like, well, that sounds well and good for you guys, but the foxes have definitely done their work, and I'm not so sure that the years can be restored for what the locusts have destroyed. First of all, I, I just want to add, and then I'll, I, I want Chris to chime in here, but Wow, the enemy really is coming for you in your marriage. Just know that right out of the gate, that he does not want you to succeed. That disagreement that you're having or that just clashing of the wills that you feel like you might be really struggling with your spouse on, it's really not at him. It's really the enemy that is sowing seeds and trying very intentionally and working ever so hard to destroy the marriage because the Lord is into marriage and he wants to see you destroyed. So recognize who your enemy is right out of the gate and it isn't your husband. You know, as I think back to the time when we were doing that newly marrieds group, sadly, I have to admit that... Every single group, you know, we'd bring in a new group and then be with them for a year and then kick them out, bring the next one in. Every single group within a year of finishing our group, we would find out about at least one couple that had separated or had divorced or in some way were split up. And it's tragic and it's far too common. And sadly, there's not a lot of difference between Christian and non-Christian marriages in terms of their longevity. But one of the things that I noticed in almost every case where that was happening, it was preceded by about six months of that couple withdrawing themselves from the church. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't some like declarative, we're out of here kind of thing. They just sort of trailed off. It just sort of faded away. It was, oh gosh, I'm tired. You know, I don't feel like going to church or whatever. And there was just that separation that began. And boy, watch out for that. 
that mm-hmm. is a huge warning sign that can have a cascading effect because church is where there can be some accountability, frankly. And so it's understandable why people would choose to pull away from that. But that can be the kiss of death for mm-hmm. the relationship. So if you're in that place, start by going back to church, yeah, getting back involved, showing up, going through and doing those things. And then the other thing I would say is watch out who you're going to for help. Mm-hmm. The Bible claims to be the authority when it comes to relationship between a husband and a wife. And if you are going to secular sources, non-Christian friends, I'll even say a marriage counselor that is not a biblically based Mm -hmm. counselor, those are the wrong places. You are not reaching out to ultimately the source of truth and the source of help. So you need to get yourself plugged into someone who can speak truth into your life directly from God's word. And the place that you're going to find that most easily is church. There are other places, but be really careful about where you're going to for help. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord. Yeah. Well, I hope that there have been pieces in this that have encouraged you guys and, you know, Wherever you're at, remember, even sometimes we just need to take ourselves back to the moments that when we first got married and remember even when you were first dating and some of the crazy stuff that you might do or the notes that you might write or things like that. Sometimes you're like, well, wait, we've been married 20 years. Why would I still do that? Just do it. Just do it. Sometimes we even need to do things like that just to remind us of what our treasure is and what we value and allow at the same time when you're if any of these words have kind of convicted you a little bit, don't run from that. Let the Lord do his work with that. And there's none of us do this marriage thing perfectly. That's for sure. But the Lord is so gracious and kind to forgive us and just restore all the things that the enemy tries to destroy in our marriages. So I hope some of that is encouraging to you guys. We just want to keep looking to the word for what he says about our marriages. Chris, thank you for doing this with me. I'm not in the closet by myself. (laughs) It's so good. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.